0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Easy Conversations, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Candandia. I'm really excited about this week's episode with Mark Williams. Mark is a published author and keynote speaker. He's also an international campaigner. He co-founded International Fathers Mental Health Day, and he has spoken on television and radio stations around the world. Mark has also published many articles on paternal mental health. In 2012, Mark was awarded Inspirational Father of the Year and Local Hero at the Pride of Britain Awards. On World Mental Health Day in 2016, Mark was invited to meet the royal family, and in 2019 he was awarded the Point of Light Award by the Prime Minister. In this episode, Mark talks about his own struggles with mental health, especially after the birth of his son. He also talks about all the work he's continuing to do to bring awareness around paternal mental health. I hope you can get as much as I did from this episode. If at the end of the episode you can leave a review, I would truly appreciate it. Well, welcome to the podcast, Mark. Uh, Thanks for joining today. I appreciate you taking the time from your busy schedule. And I'm really excited to hear about your journey and the work you're doing uh, around mental health with parents. I think uh, the subject is really relevant considering the time uh, we are in right now with the pandemic. Um, and just in general around the mental health issues we've been seeing and talking about more uh, lately, um, and i hoping we can get this message out to other folks as well. So welcome again, and uh, happy to have you here.
1: No, thank you. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's all about raising awareness, and also that if, if it is fathers struggling out there, then you know there's other fathers who have been in that situation as well. So yeah, definitely.
0: For sure. And yeah, you're welcome. And uh, I just wanted to give you an opportunity, Mark, to introduce yourself, um, you know, kind of where you're located, uh, just so the listeners know and and what kind of work you're doing.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm the founder of International Fathers Mental Health Day. Actually, co-founder now because Dr. Daniel Singley in America. He's um, he's a founder because obviously we wanted to make it international. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, TEDx speaker, keynote speaker, published author. Done journals campaigning mostly for all parents to, to be supported for their mental health. So, fathers have been excluded for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm from South Wales in the Brecon Valleys in the United Kingdom. So, um, if you can, I hope we can all understand me okay, because I'll try to speak very slow.
0: no that's exciting uh you know and uh, we connected on instagram i think for me i was inspired about some of the the stuff you've been talking about and the content you've been sharing around uh, father's mental health so uh, that was definitely an area that i wanted to touch on in the podcast so i'm glad you're here and the fact that yeah i mean fortunately we are in a time where technology doesn't have many limits in communication so uh, we can do this over Zoom. This is awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, an author, so you've got a book out there. Uh, maybe share a little bit about this book.
1: Yeah, so I've I written a book uh, about my memoir, about my experience of being a new dad, and how that impacted on my mental health. My wife had severe post depression or birth trauma, what well, we know now. And I've um, got another book, uh, with an academic book, with uh, Dr. Jane Hanley, who I work with. And, and coming from a background where Unfortunately, I left school at 15 with no qualifications because I had an undiagnosed disorder called ADHD. Mm-hmm. So that was only uh, actually diagnosed when I was 40 years of age. So there's a lot of parents before they become dads, got a past history of anxiety, depression, you know, bipolar, schizophrenia, ADHD, ASD, OCD, it goes on and on mm-hmm. before they become dads. And then, of course, the lack of sleep can have an impact on your mental health as well, so. So, yeah, there's various reasons why fathers can struggle
0: during this time. Yeah. And and are those all the topics you touched on in your book?
1: Yeah, I've um, obviously I can take it back when I first started, really. Uh, and like I said, my story really starts from, you know, school. Unfortunately, I had a lot of low self-esteem, came from school, unfortunately, because I was very hyperactive. I'm still hyperactive now. I'm 46, but not as much as it was then and uh, couldn't concentrate, you know, on lessons. If I'm really interested in something, I can really hyper-focus on it. But certainly academically at that time, I didn't know I had dyslexia, a form of dyslexia as well. So there's loads of issues around that time. Luckily for me, I went to the youth club at eight years of age. My mother took me there to run off steam and um, I built confidence in the youth club and uh, represent my country in the sport as well. So. Uh, yeah, so I gained a lot of good self-esteem as well, you know, from, um, from being in a youth, youth club. So.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, dyslexia and ADHD were some of the challenges you had. Uh, and now, you know, obviously you're a father and in your 40s. Like, how were you able to navigate some of those challenges and being able to work through them uh, and to be able to do the work you're doing now?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I self-managed all my life, the ADHD. and um, But it wasn't until um, my wife went for a traumatic birth, Michelle. Mm-hmm. and 22 hours later, I remember the doctors come rushing in and they said, Mr. Williams, wife wife needs emergency C-section. We need to get into theatre quick. And it was the first time I actually had a panic attack. I've never had a panic attack like that ever since. And, mm-hmm. and I've worked in sick units. I've witnessed horrific things since then. Mm-hmm. And nothing worse than thinking your wife and baby is going to die. In, in front of me. so uh, yeah, I was totally overwhelmed. I couldn't uh, yeah, it was a big big factor which impacted on me later on but it wasn't until my wife was diagnosed with severe post depression. she was in crisis teams. I didn't know nothing about mental health, let alone post depression. So when you get a health professional saying your wife's got post depression, you know as a father you start thinking, is it me is it anything I've done? Does she want a baby? So you start overthinking every scenario and, um, you know, I I had to give up work for six months, you know, no money coming in. I was self-employed as a salesperson then and uh, mortgage pay, I was using credit cards. I couldn't tell my wife I was feeling because I didn't want to impact on her mental health either. So like a lot of men, they suppress those feelings and that was coming out in different behaviors, like, you know, using more alcohol, you know, avoiding situations. And I didn't initially bond with my son initially. That gradually grew because I was home alone with my son Mm -hmm. when my wife was unwell in bed sometimes. So there was a lot of good things came out to something bad as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you touched on a lot of things that I want to tap into, but one of the things you mentioned, you were obviously suppressing your emotions. And, and unfortunately, when we do that, it comes out in unhealthy ways um at any point you know did you consider seeking help or did you seek help how were you able to kind of work through all of that uh considering you were alone in it right
1: yeah no it was tough and as we know even a lack of sleep can have an impact on the mental health you know so mm-hmm. I think I think what happened was I was more concerned about my wife Michelle and um you know I was getting suicidal thoughts around about a four or five month marker uh, never made a plan to take my life but it was the thoughts you know I was getting there and um I just struggled on struggled on and uh it wasn't until a few years later when unfortunately my I lost my grandfather with dementia I'm very close to my family and uh, my mother was diagnosed with cancer in a short space of time my mother's fine now mm-hmm. and because I hadn't dealt with everything else it was a massive timeline of trauma everything I hadn't dealt with and and basically, I was physically fit during that time. You know, I was doing a lot of kickboxing. I was physically fit, but mentally, it was actually impacting on my physical health. Mm-hmm. And um, I had no choice, but I didn't get the help because I changed my career in 2007, going into the youth sector and then mental health. And um, I thought if I went to the GP, it'd be on my notes mm-hmm. and I would never get a job in mental health. So yeah. that was another reason why I didn't seek help but it, it took a breakdown or breakthrough I call it because my body just basically shut down. I couldn't yeah. fight it anymore.
0: Yeah. So then what was, what was the, what were the things you did to be able to work through it and, and kind of, you know, be able to work on yourself?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, things I, I wish I learned in school, uh, like CBT and mindfulness and uh, they were good positive coping skills, but I, I don't lot of therapy, you know, and what I will say is sometimes people say therapy doesn't work. Sometimes I always say, look, you know, try a different counsellor and uh, you may not get a rapport with that person. So I had, luckily enough, I had a good, good counsellor and um, we just talked through everything, things I never talked about ever before. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the, the turning point. I, I was I was medicated um, at the time as well, because obviously I couldn't function. I couldn't take the information in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I gradually came off the medication slowly, you know. But I, what I did, I put the positive coping skills in place as I was gradually uh, coming off the medication, and as well, you know. So, yeah, I learned so many, you know, even walking, walking in nature. I've gone back to that since uh, COVID, working from home, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, trying to make my life not so overwhelmed. It is at the moment with Instagram, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) you know, I've opened up a can of worms there, but, um, but on a positive, you know, like I said, I, I love what I'm doing. Um, if it helps one person, then that's what it's all about really.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And that's kind of the, the way I look at it is if, if we can all aspire to help one person, then collectively we're impacting many lives. Um, so some of the positive coping skills you mentioned, like, so I guess if people are struggling in a similar fashion, what were some of the coping skills you were using and are you still using them today? And how do you hold yourself accountable to stick to them?
1: Yeah, I tend to write my thoughts on paper
0: mm-hmm. and
1: what thoughts have come to the forefront and I work through my thoughts. And as you know, there's so many thoughts coming through every day. And yes. um, so I tend to write, in you know, write them down and work mm-hmm. through those thoughts and i don't tend to mind read anymore i don't uh if i'm talking to somebody and wondering what i think you know mean it's it's impossible you can't keep everyone happy but as long as you're, you're doing the right thing and the best you can do that's all you can do and i i, I got a board behind me <laughs> I, I got a visual board so um i write it down and find out what i need to do not what i have to do as well so you know, I, I'll go through those things uh, and, and be gratitude to myself, you know, be, you know, be happy what I've got as well, you know, things that, um, simple things as well, like walk in this morning, you know, down the yeah. sea those simple things sometimes can help your mental health as well.
0: For sure. Yeah. And for, I guess for the listeners, you know, uh, I hear a lot of commonality in terms of the work that most people are doing. Um, so, you know, the, the writing the thoughts on paper is like journaling, uh, you know, and then you're also finding gratitude for all, all the simple things as you mentioned. And then taking that time to ground yourself either through walk walking in nature or mindfulness, right? So these are all techniques that most therapists or, or folks in this field are suggesting for people. And those are all the things that you've adopted and they've had a positive impact in your life. Um, I guess one of the things you mentioned, you had a sales background. So I'm I'm quite fascinated how how does a person who is in sales um you know high pressure job you're constantly asked to deliver how do you go from that um to to the work you're doing today and i you know i'm sure a lot of it was inspired by when your son was born and kind of the uh, the challenges you and your wife were facing but how did you make that transition
1: yeah the, you know those skills actually helped me in mental health as well because the communication skills and the listening skills unfortunately not everyone in their health profession especially in the uk you know they got the, the knowledge but yeah i think i was um i was actually open up with the parents and they would tell me i was sharing my experience and then listening and communicating and um they would tell me all this and that's why i've got a lot of information is from the parents where they probably wouldn't have told the health professionals you know in the uk so um yeah my background yeah it was very pressured mm-hmm. and uh, I wasn't the same person going back I couldn't take the pressures anymore which I had done before I became a dad so it was like something that broken and couldn't take those pressures. so gradually I did leave I was probably earning more money 22 years ago now now definitely but uh, it's one thing I've learned is purpose and everything everyone should have some sort of purpose whether it's mm-hmm. big small it doesn't matter I mm-hmm. think that was the the real push in my recovery because it was when I spoke to a guy in a man in the gym side by side and it was about eight weeks in my recovery and I said can I have all the weights and he said yes I'm going to NHS Prams which was a sp- service for mums with post depression. and I said to him my wife had post depression," and she and he said no way and I said I probably told him more things in five minutes than I told my best friends because mm-hmm. he related he understood and from that moment, we set up a group, and it just went from there. Then started going um, uh, on TV, radio, you know, met royal family. You know, then there's a film being made about the book, uh, which is starting tomorrow. So loads of good things that come up with something bad, as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, just, it was just a conversation, and that's what we got to be doing in mental health. It's just have a conversation. You know, we all got mental health. Unfortunately, sometimes it ain't so good. You know, so mm-hmm. just have a conversation.
0: Yeah, no, I like the the points you've made. Uh, I think part of the, the goal I've set here with this podcast too is normalizing the conversations around mental health, right? And we can't support each other if we're not talking about it or if we're not talking to each other. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that we start doing that more because, like you said, we all have our own mental health challenges and everyone's struggling in their own way. Um, but we can help each other. And sometimes all it takes is listening to another person it make, it can make a huge difference cuz we are storing so much of it inside and and we Absolutely. just yeah um, so yeah so your book like you know i i love the concept maybe do you mind sharing a little bit about the book what's in it like i know you said it's a bit of a memoir but what what's what's the message what what do you talk about in the book for people that haven't read it
1: yeah it's i wish i knew I never father who experienced guilt and not good enough and all these feelings that I didn't know that fathers can experience, you know, even struggle to bond with their children. You know I mean? It's loads of everything a mums worry about. Or of course, dads can worry about too. So, so it's a lot of things I like, go, um, the pressure as a fatherhood as well, especially, you know, in that early years, you know, your lifestyle change, your identity change, everything changes. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it goes through a, a journey, really, and uh, and like I mentioned, it was just a turning point where I spoke to another gentleman in the gym. And if I didn't have our conversation side by side with that gentleman, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be speaking with you today, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I would have probably wouldn't have known I suffered really because it was never diagnosed with any sort of PTSD or PND, as they call it. So, PTSD, as we know, is an anxiety um, is post traumatic stress disorder. But it's actually an anxiety disorder. The witnessing or experiencing a life-threatening event, and there's nothing worse thinking your wife and baby's going to die in that situation. So, a lot of fathers don't even know they're experiencing PTSD. From, you know, from, and some fathers I've spoken to have gone through far worse than me, a loss of a child, but they've never been supported for their mental health. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it takes me for a journey really, and I, I just wanted something good to come out about something bad. And um, so, as you know, mental health sometimes when we talk about it, it could be a bit um yeah you know but i want i just wanted something positive to come up with something and my wife's experience as well now my wife works in mental health and youth as a youth worker as well mm-hmm. so both of us have changed our careers from coming from a bad point in our lives
0: yeah no that's very inspiring and i think it's very noble that you guys have taken the you know the experience that you went through and and definitely, like you said, turn it into something positive where you guys are giving back and trying to help others, um, where you may not have had that help yourself. So that's very noble. Um, so, what is the work you're doing now? Like, how are you um, helping others uh, through their own challenges of parenthood? And are you strictly working with fathers, or are you guys, you and your wife, also working with just parents in general and helping them? understand uh some of the mental health challenges that come with being a parent
1: yeah well the group lasted for three years and um i found that if it got too big out to of part because i was doing it voluntary and um it got passed over to another charity but then i went down a more you know public speaking because i thought i'd have a bigger ripple effect if i was going to get into all parts of the uk and i have, i've actually spoken in uh, seattle as well with the, the uh, postpartum support international mm-hmm. and and done, you know overseas work but um i think i think that's the big thing it was a ripple effect and and then we um in lockdown i, I did a, a report which is over 10 years gathering mm-hmm. report and um the prime minister is actually in the hands of, of the prime minister and we're opening a parliamentary group this year so we've already changed policies in the in the uk mm-hmm. and fathers are recognized and need support so um we are on the right path you know so it's, it's a case of policy changing and uh, which is gonna have a, even a bigger impact. And uh, yeah, it's good, it's all good. and I love it, you know, I, I, I love what I'm doing. It's nice to see things are changing, but unfortunately, since COVID, we've seen a massive increase in fathers wanting our support because they're totally isolated. And, and especially in the UK, they're not even available to go to scans.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: loads of factors are different pressures than when I was a new dad.
0: Right. So
1: um, yeah, it's been good, it's been, I, you know, it's. I'm trying to inspire other people, even in my community that, you know, just because you have dyslexia or ADHD, you know, you can write an academic book as mm-hmm. long as you've got, you know, support from other people, what do you have through with, with Jane?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, so that's, I mean, that's amazing that you've been able to bring that systemic change in the UK. Um, but for other parts of the world, like if men are also feeling the same pressures and challenges of being fathers, what are some things you can suggest? Tools, some areas of awareness. Like, what are some things that you can share with uh, with folks that are interested and in, and don't know where to get help or or just don't know where to start?
1: Yeah, definitely. Especially in California, you got um, Dr. Daniel Singley. So he does a lot of online mm-hmm. work with fathers, and it's on the Postpartum Support International. So they are American based and yep. doing fantastic work. So he's Daniel's trying to raise awareness out there as well. And there's a few doctors as well, like um, uh, David Devine, uh, he's from New York. So, you know, David's already got, he went through it as well, you know. So um, yeah, he's got a personal experience and as well as has been a doctor. So yeah, there is um, a lot of, I wouldn't say there's a lot of support out there, but there's people who will understand what's going you're going through as well. So I would definitely recommend you looking at the, the Postpartum Support International.
0: Okay. And and what are some things that people can do, like actual like tools? And I know you've touched on some things that you've done yourself, but you know, if you wanted to give some guidance to to fathers, like what are some actual like tools that you can share?
1: Yeah, definitely. It does look different in fathers as well sometimes, because like I mentioned, you know, more drinking. If if you find you are drinking more since the pregnancy or since the baby's been able to be born, these are classic signs to look out for. So it could be for instance avoiding overworking overeating undereating loads of different factors if your personality has changed during what they call the perinatal period which is the antenatal period mm-hmm. as well as the postnatal period you know it's it's really worth uh, checking in with your health professional as well you know so and and it's just to educate mums and you as well because to look out for the signs as well because if your partners you know not behaving differently because a lot of relationships, unfortunately, do end because of that, you know, because mm-hmm. men come, you know, change an happy for various reasons and get intrusive thoughts. So I would definitely, like I said, and what I will say is what works for me might not work for you. Mm-hmm. So be more, I'm more person-centered. So like I said, what really works for me is sometimes the most simplest things. And um, purpose is a big thing, you know. I think, personally, sometimes a lot of fathers are trapped in the workplace. they already got anxiety, and now they've got a new baby to provide for. Mm-hmm. So there's loads of different pressures. But if you can unravel it, like I've done, and um, find out what works for you, just keep that going, because even social media can come overwhelming sometimes and seeing mm-hmm. everyone doing happy things. And unfortunately, as a family, as a dad, you're not doing those things. So you know, sometimes it's about taking yourself away from those situations.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no. And I think, uh, yeah, that's an interesting thing you mentioned because social media is often very deceptive because you see others enjoying their lives and you feel you're stuck. Like you said, whether you're stuck in your career or you're stuck at home with your child, you feel like you're missing out on life. Um, You know, and it's interesting because I went through a similar, um, almost like a... (laughs) you know, shifting moment in my life when my son was born and it was the same thing. I, I was working a corporate job, you know, with aspirations to do many things within my career. But then when my son was born, it was understanding, OK, well, do I just want to be remembered as this corporate guy or do I want to be remembered for something more? And how am I making a difference in this world that my son's coming into? You know, and and it was a similar question of purpose. You know, trying to identify my purpose, like what is my purpose, and how am I gonna make a difference in this world? And and Absolutely. you know, and part of it was giving back to people, right? And like the work you've been doing has been phenomenal, and that's kind of the journey I'm on right now is to be able to make a difference in people's lives, bring awareness, share my own story, and and use tools and resources that we can help and support each other with um and that's an interesting concept the concept of purpose and you mentioned for you that awakening really happened when you had that conversation with this gentleman at the gym um yeah yeah so so describe your purpose like what is your purpose now like and where do you see yourself like in the next 10-15 years like what are you trying to achieve and what are you trying to do
1: yeah. Um, so the biggest one is the World Health Organization, which has nothing on new father's mental health or paternal mm-hmm. mental health. They have a mum's. So that's that's the big one, really. I I've, I want to make sure that there's information on there and because um, it's not just a UK concern, it's a global concern. You know, yeah. we got high risk in, in suicide in new dads, you know, or, you know, we know the global uh, what, what the World Health Organization says about that, but it, there's no screening. So, you know, if we can get some information on there, that'd be that'd be the best one, but for me. Um, the other thing is, things have already happened in the UK, and we've got a parliamentary group in Westminster. So all the MPs have, have seen my report now, and um, obviously COVID has taken a bit of hold on that mm-hmm. at the moment. So I, th- I think it'll come to a point where I'll always be doing the father's work, whether it's in a consultancy role or speaking. But... Um, I think it's good we touched on. I think sometimes, I need to grow as a person as well, and I I think I like to look into more coaching and um, saying to people, look, you know, why can't you do what I've done, you know, write a book or or change things? Because I I think you you mentioned, like you said, giving things away and you know helping other people. I think I like to do something with somebody and, and and have acknowledgement that. I've helped them to be even more successful than me, you know, in, in a different field. I think mm-hmm. that's what I want to get um, a bit of purpose in next. I think so. That's that's my next chapter. I think <laughs> it's uh, definitely. I uh, I want to do uh, more. Um, yeah, like like work. You know, well-being, um, motivation stuff. You know.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And are there any more books on the horizon?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Funny enough, got like a third one. We just signed a contract now. Actually, uh, um, two days. Well, I signed. I signed mine yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a self-published book on ADHD and fatherhood and all the money is going to go to charity for that one, definitely. So uh, you don't make loads of money unless, unless you're JK Rowling, but it's, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's probably uh, the time and effort you put into it, it you yeah. know, but um, it's just, um, yeah, it's just there. So um, yeah, yeah, I think I think I like to um, carry on doing something around motivation yeah. and yeah. using our corporate background, same, you know, same as... That can be really, I think. I, I think it's interesting what you just say about corporate background and the skills we've got that they can be so transferred into mental health, like I, I just mm-hmm. said. So, yeah, it's a lot of um, motivation because the first book I actually read was um, "Chicken Soup for the Soul," mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and this heard book it.
1: by yeah Jack can- Canfield, uh, American author, and that was in '98, and that changed my life, because I hadn't re- really read a book up to that point. Mm -hmm. really changed my life. So, um, yeah, I like to, um, do more stuff like that. Really,
0: No, that's amazing. And congratulations on the new deal for the book. Um, you know, that's exciting. Um, there's a couple of things you touched on that I want to explore a little bit further. So one of the things, um, why is there not a lot of focus on the mental health kind of awareness when it comes to fathers? No, is it just because we haven't had the information or it's because the expectations with men are different or, or just the, the perception we have of men is different that men are expected to be strong and hold it together uh, and not express emotions. Like what, why is there, why has it taken so long for us to come to this awareness and start finally looking into this subject?
1: Yeah, I think, well, I know in the UK, like I've been doing over 10 years and can imagine a stigma around, you know, dads with post-depression or birth tro- you know, what, what's dad's got to be depressed? So he didn't give birth to babies. So it's always been a myth that it's hormonal. And any uh, doctor and, and professor will tell there's that's not really strong evidence, really. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it, it, there's a hormone change. Your father has testosterone actually lowers during his time. But the key factors is, you know, past history it could be lack of sleep you know, what money, what is guilt, all the thoughts mum gets, dads get, you know, mm-hmm. in different ways. So, so and um, like you said, my work's never about taking the attention away from mum, never has been. It's saying that sometimes it's, it's the dad was struggling and that can impact our mum's mental health. Mm-hmm. So we start to see, um, especially in the UK, uh, you know, the early years, the child's development, how important that is. And they, they actually realise it now that, you know, if dad is struggling, you know, that can have an impact. I am saying, like, me and my wife had depression, and my son is thriving now. He's in school, he's doing well, he's playing sport, and he's happy. And the good thing is about that, we have conversations about mental health with my son, so mm-hmm. he's more likely to open up to me, unfortunately, I didn't have those conversations with my father. But I think in the UK, last four years, I think mental health uh been talked about a lot more than it has for the last 2,000 years, whatever, or yeah. whatever it is. So, um, we see a big shift and I think next generation as well, they will actually get it more now because as we know the education on social media is getting out there, people understand it better. So I think, yeah, it's been various reasons why, but I think the academics is, it's been research papers for years, but unfortunately people like us, we've never been able to access them. So Mm -hmm. that's why I've been pushing this content out there.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And I think another thing you touched on was having that open conversation with our children, you know, and modeling that behavior because, uh, you know, same thing growing up, you know, especially as boys, we weren't encouraged to express our emotions or anytime we cried, we were told that, Hey, you know, you're a boy or you're a man stop crying. Right. And I think by modeling that behavior for our children, we're setting that foundation. And I think the message I want listeners to have, or, or even most people, right. Like just, don't shame your kids for having emotions because um, if if we're not giving them that outlet or the ability to express themselves, then it just gets bottled up. And unfortunately it shows up in different ways.
1: That's exactly, exactly, exactly what I would put it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I always encourage my son to open up and just have a conversation. And like I said, my my parents are great. My uncles and grandfathers are great, yeah. but uh, if I'm a mining community, you know what I mean? so, very much, you know, down to pits, mm-hmm. taking cold all day. And yeah, it was, it was never that, you know, we've got a problem. Let's go to the pub and have a drink that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah we just created negative coping skills over the years, you know, but like I said, schools should be educating people about good mental health and, and putting positive coping skills in place.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And then the last piece, I, you know, you mentioned COVID obviously, you know, nobody saw this coming, right? And, and we've been in a challenging situation and it's almost been a year. Um, and lockdowns in different parts of the world and not being able to get out, see friends or family or have conversations. Um, obviously, that's posing different mental health challenges. What is some of the work you're doing in this space, especially around COVID? Or what are some things you would, recommend to people to to be mindful of in this kind of uncertain time
1: yeah definitely and you know from a UK at the moment even as a president we, we look looking at, at going into lockdown so isolation has been a big part of factor mm-hmm. I think I'd be honest with you it's worked better for myself and a lot of people because you know I used to be four o'clock in the morning up on a train to London and all over the place and now I'm working at home since March, you know, but just give me a time to get out and and get into nature more. And um, I, I think everyone's different, but I think uh, the pressure that I, I've come across with fathers, especially in the UK, the uncertainty of work and uh, yeah, you know, they got a new baby coming into life and what, mm. what the world's gonna be like for them. And, uh, you know, loads of different factors, but I think even, even today I, I had a, a link about that. It's actually increased now especially post depression pressure in fathers, because now, you know, the pressures are even more than it was prior to, um, uh, since, since March, you know. So we've seen a, a 10% increase, at least, from charities. The yeah. fathers are struggling with their mental health. So, so yeah, I go back um, to, to saying, I would definitely just speak to somebody, have a conversation. There's no shame. There's no shame. I wish I'd had the information now, because a lot of yeah. people worry what other people think, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, there's no such sure thing as a perfect parent. It's just being the best you can. But the more you struggle, the more your behaviours change, and obviously, how your relationship you know can suffer as well. So, the quicker the help, the quicker the recovery. I always say that's that's always my motto. The quicker you get to speak out, the quicker that recovery will be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thank you for highlighting that, that there's really no shame in asking for help. I've, you know, kind of the, the narrative I'm trying to change, um, is saying, you know, it actually takes strength to ask for help. You know, it shows that you are a stronger person and, you know, again, don't, don't be scared of what people will think, because I think everyone wants to support each other, especially in this time, you know, it's, funny that you know when you look at it from a global perspective this is probably the first time in our lives where we can all have something in common on a global scale right and and this pandemic has impacted all of us you know probably uh some less than others but at the end of the day we're all been impacted the same it's changed our lives and i think we can all relate to the challenges that have come out of this pandemic and we should be able to relate and help each other out through this. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, no, it was great. Like you said it's uh,
1: it's it's going to be good good year next year, guarantee. Yeah. It'll be positive. <laughs>
0: yeah, and and I think you know you said in even in your case uh, what I want to highlight is you know you've been able to find gratitude because now you're not commuting to work, you have time to do other things, right? And I think that's part of the narrative we also need to change for ourselves is finding gratitude in the way our lives have changed, you know, and for me too, you know, I'm not able to get out and play sports like I used to, but it's given me more time to read books, or, you know, just educate myself. And you know you can you can find those positive opportunities in your life um, it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom so you know
1: you know it's funny you should say that because uh, I've been w- with Michelle now 24 years and it's mm-hmm. only the last couple of weeks we've been playing chess together and we actually <laughs> love it I've always played chess you know I love uh, online and so yeah and my wife is is actually a new new chess player like and uh, and she beat me the other night because she's been so. <laughs> loves it you know she's realized that she loves chess and yeah. uh, you know trying trying to find strategies to beat me so so like you said that wouldn't have happened if it went for COVID the report wouldn't happen if it was from COVID working from home um I wouldn't have lost weight from you know being at home because I was probably eating more jelly beans and on on the pathway sort of thing so like I said a lot of good things have come out of something bad but like I said unfortunately um, yeah, a lot of bad things have happened to other people, like, Mm -hmm. as we know. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, and it's just getting that help, uh, and not waiting, right? Like you said, the sooner you can get that help and talk to someone, it it will make a huge difference. Quicker the health, the quicker recovery. Absolutely. Well, Mark, um, you know, I really want to thank you for coming on here and sharing your story and, you know uh all the work you're doing is phenomenal so i just want to uh you know show my appreciation because you are making a difference um, oh, same
1: with you yeah definitely that's what it's all about is it's at least one person we will actually you know listen to this and and get that education and yeah. um well far more than one person but you know what i mean is that one person we could help today that's what it's all about really so
0: absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I having going through this conversation made me realize that you and I have a, a lot in common. So I'm super excited to keep in touch with you and yeah. see if we can find more opportunities to share the same message. Um, but, yeah, if if people want to get a hold of you, Mark, what's the best way? Uh, wh- where are you? Yeah. On social media and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. On Instagram fathers slash underscore m- mental health. And uh, pretty new to Instagram, but um, on Twitter, Mark Williams FMH, or we just Google Mark Williams uh, father's mental health. And um, yeah, there's loads of different articles and things on there. So um, yeah, always happy to help.
0: Okay. And is there any last message you want to share before uh, we're done here?
1: No, no. I think I think it's just like no shame, and do if you, you know the big man up is actually getting the help, like you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So. don't suffer in silence seek help no shame and get the help
0: Mm -hmm. no that's amazing thank you again mark thank you well everyone that's the end of the podcast uh this is the last episode before the holiday season please stay tuned as uh we'll be coming out with more episodes in the new year i'm really excited about the guests that will be coming on the show Uh, the stories they'll be sharing with uh, mental health always being at the forefront. Uh, I'm also grateful for everyone else that's been on the show already, uh, that's shared their story. Uh, I'm super, super humbled by the response I've received. I also want to thank everyone that's listened to the episodes, uh, provided me with feedback, or even reached out to me to express their gratitude or how they've taken a message out of uh, each and every episode. Uh, Again, it's very humbling. Uh, It just provides me with more encouragement. Um, So, yeah, I'll keep doing this going into the new year. Uh, And with the holidays approaching, please stay safe. uh, Enjoy your time, uh, whether you're spending with family, friends or really close loved ones. I want to acknowledge that this year, 2020, has been very difficult and uncertain for a lot of us. Uh, In fact, everyone, uh, And just to say it's been uh, a challenging year would be an understatement. Uh, We've had to pivot along the way and figure things out one day at a time. So take this uh, holiday season to really sit, uh, find some time to reflect, Uh, find gratitude in all the opportunities we've had and uh, being able to just look back on things and have a different perspective and then set an intention for the new year, going into the new year. What are your intentions? What's your purpose? Take that time to really focus on yourself. It is important. Um, But yeah, stay tuned for more episodes in the new year and I'm really excited uh, to continue doing this.